where we are going, that is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. Holy Father, there is nothing that I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's so good to hear your voices. Um, in case we haven't met, uh, my name is Clayton. I'm on the pastoral team. And if you're new around here, I want to be one of the first to welcome you, although not the first. You've probably been welcomed by many. If you're joining us online for the first time, thank you for, for showing up and, and being part of our online community. And um, well, today uh, we get to continue in our collection of messages called the King Jesus Gospel. And uh, I get to share today, uh, Pastor Matthew is traveling this weekend, and um, so we are going to be in, in Matthew chapter 6. We've made it to chapter 6. So a uh, real pop quiz, does anybody know how many messages we have done on the Gospel of Matthew? Anybody have any idea? <laughs> Not close. Keep two more. This is our 11th message, and we've made it to chapter 6. So um, we're doing all right. Uh, now, one of the re now, I'm a recap guy, so I want to kind of recap a little bit about what we have been talking about with the King Jesus Gospel, and specifically the Gospel of, of Matthew. So, uh, in case you didn't know, because I was like into college before I figured this out, which is a little embarrassing, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I was like, man, these seem to be really, there's a lot of similarities. Well, for some reason, it took me a minute to figure out, it's four guys writing about the same guy. And of course, there's going to be some similarities. And just like us, uh, if there was four of us following somebody, we would write with our own emphasis or we would write with some things that we noticed about uh, that whoever we were writing about that would be more interesting to us. And so Matthew focuses on the kingdom of heaven and Jesus as the king, hence the King Jesus gospel. And so this is something that is, uh, that's important as we understand that we are living in a new kingdom, that Jesus just isn't Lord and Savior, but he is also king. Um, I think I missed the slide already. If you want to follow along with our notes, there's a QR code. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney. Uh, but if you want to take a, a picture of this, it'll pull up your notes. If you want to do that digitally, uh, you're welcome to. Now, uh, the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Matthew, we have been going through a number of 
very interesting, dramatic kind of conversations, right? We've been talking about murder and anger, lust, divorce, marriage, intervals, revenge, capital punishment, like all of these pretty intense kinds of, of topics. And I am grateful I don't have to talk about any of those. So today we're, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. But it's important to understand um, why Jesus was talking about those, right? Because um, so God's people... When God created his first humans, he, he gave them one rule. Hey, there's a tree over there. D don't eat from that one. And we struggled following that one rule. So, so the story kind of unfolds a little bit more. And eventually down the road, he said, okay, I'm going to give you all ten rules to, to follow. Okay, is that, can we maybe, you know. So he gave us the ten commandments. And we struggled with those ten, all right? So then we expanded on these ten, and there's about 613 laws now in the Old Testament that are, help us kind of define how to live our lives. And then for probably a, a thousand or two years, the priests and the Levites in the Jewish nation of Israel have continued to expand on what does this mean when, Right? Okay, so it's kind of, think about our court of law. We go to court over everything because there's two people who can't agree on was this the right thing to do. So, so this is kind of the context of what Jesus is talking to. Like, think about, like, I've been a teacher before, and if, and if I say, hey, I want you to write a two-page paper, and like three hands go up and be like, hey, uh, how wide do the margins have to be? How big a, I'm like, I, I don't care, two pages, just figure it out, right? Like some of you might have kids that are like that. Okay, when you say take out the trash, do you mean like today, after supper, like three weeks from now, and you're like, just take out the trash, right? So Jesus is talking to this kind of mentality, um, and we've started in, uh, in chapter 5, the last couple weeks, where Jesus is explaining, hey, when I said don't murder, this is really what I meant. I really meant we need to love people, right? Because when Jesus said, hey, don't murder, or when the command came down from don't murder, there's the guys who are like, well, wait a minute. Well, what if somebody kills my whatever? Or, what if, or wait a minute. What if, like, and there was all these what ifs. And Jesus is like, okay, there's a new guy in town. I'm it. And we got to clarify some of these, like, rules. Okay, these, these new way to live. Like when I said don't murder, I really meant, we really meant let's, let's love people. Like that kind of answers a lot of those what if questions, right? So in chapter 5, he's doing a lot. He, he, he started off with you've heard an eye for an eye. And, and then he goes on, explains the really the, the heart behind the matter. So, uh, so when he's doing that, um, when we, so he's kind of cleaning up some of our, our conduct, right? Like kind of cleaning up some of how we act. So now when we get into chapter 6, he's starting to address the, the, the character, or the, some people might call it the inner life, all right? And so that's what we are going to get to today, chapter 6. And so kind of the big idea today is, after Jesus explained some of the way more clearly, now he's going to explain how we walk in this way 
with no loopholes, right? Okay? Um, so we, this really can be summed up in the first verse of our text today, Matthew 6.1. Hopefully you're there with me. So read, read along. Uh, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is true. Father, let it penetrate deeply into our hearts and form us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as I was thinking about this text, I, I, I know what it contains. Um, it is not like the flashiest, most exciting, controversialist, like that maybe you've come to appreciate the last five weeks. Uh, we have had some dramatic uh, things that we have been talking about. Uh, these four things the passage is going to address is giving, praying, forgiving, and fasting. Now, listen, I, I, I have to admit, if, if I go to a conference, and I'm looking at all the, like the conference title, like all the sessions, and I see like there's one on fasting, I may keep looking, right? I'm just being honest. I may just kind of keep looking. And, you know, if I find the one that says, the coming apocalypse, how to get ready in three easy steps. Like, that, that, may be, that may be more my speed. I'm just being honest. Um, and kind of as I was also thinking about this, I, I was thinking about how sometimes how easy it is as a, as, a, as a believer to kind of pick and choose interesting topics that really more cater to my interest rather than really the kingdom of God. And uh, it, uh, it actually, that also reminded me of a story um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, my, wife and ha- my wife and I, we had some friends in from out of town. And they came to church, and they were heading on up to Kansas City, and on their way out, we met at the, uh, the local Chinese buffet. And uh, so buffets are a wonderful thing. And on the way there, uh, my wife, Maria, hi, she gets joined us this service, and uh, sh- our baby had fallen asleep, our two-year-old, so Maria is holding the two-year-old, into the into the store or into the restaurant, and uh, and I have we have three other kids. We have a, a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. So the four-year-old sits down with mom. She's holding the baby. So I I go to make plates and I send the other two boys, the nine-year-old and the six-year-old. Hey, go to go to the buffet and make your plate. My nine-year-old was fine. My six-year-old, on the other hand. I immediately forgot what it's, I, I just did not wrap my head around what it would be like to send a six-year-old to the buffet, <laughs> unsupervised. And uh, so I make a plate, not thinking about my six-year-old, and uh, I get back and I see his plate. And I immediately was aware of something that I did not coach him on, something that actually took me a couple years in a marriage to realize that, uh, that a colorful plate is much more important than a cool Instagram photo. It co- there's actually nutritional things and you know all that stuff. Well, when I looked at my six-year-old's plate, I, he, he had one shade, and it was a shade of brown <laughs> with a side order of white over here. And uh, so we had, and it was all one food group. It was all fried, right? So we have, so we got the little chicken thingies, you know, and then we had some f- fried rice, and then we had the dessert because I, you know. And those little doughy, I forget what they're called, but I, I'm just imagining the six-year-old, he's like, ah, dessert. 
So he's going to take one scoop of the little doughy thing. He's like, oh, how about two? You know, one, another one. And if you've been to this buffet, you've probably seen this dish. They dump a gallon of sugar on these things, right? And normally, you leave the sugar there. But to a six-year-old, I mean, what's a spoonful of sugar? So, okay, on the plate it goes. Now, needless to say, he did not get to eat the mound of sugar on his plate. But we did have a little conversation about uh, the color is, is good on your plate. So anyway, as we were, as we were thinking about this, uh, I, I, I couldn't help but think about how even well-meaning and sincere believers, we, we also ask the same question sometimes. Why can't we just focus on the sweet stuff? Why can't we just enjoy the, the fun stuff of the Bible? And today, uh, uh, fasting, praying, giving, forgiving may not be on like your top 10 list of like, man, I really want to hear about that. But I would argue that it's quite possibly the most important thing about us to participate in. So remember, this is, this is in the, Jesus is, is on the side of a mountain and he's redefining this new kingdom that he is here to establish. And he includes this in his first worldwide address to his new followers, right? And so some people would call this the inner life. And, and the inner life sometimes can be a little tricky because we, especially as Americans, are really good at hiding what's going on in the inner life, right? So this that he goes through, um, these are the expectations of living in the kingdom, not the exceptions. So I, I would just want to encourage you as we listen that we can't let these four practices fade away into the background of our spiritual life. So, so let's start. Uh, the first thing that he addresses is giving. Now don't get nervous. I mean, sometimes people are like, oh, he's talking about, you know, garden my check. Just listen, because I think it, this is not just about giving financially. Jesus, this is in verse 2, he says, Hey, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets that call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward that they will ever get. But when you give to somebody in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, the first observation in that passage, I think, is interesting. It starts off with this little word, when. And I think that's significant because he says, when you give, right? So one of the ways of this kingdom is not if you give, but when you give. And I don't think this is just talking about tithes and offering. I think this is talking about a lifestyle of, of giving, whether you're giving gifts to, to people who are in need or, or sharing your, giving your time, giving your resources. There's lots of other ways to give than just besides giving, right? And I think the important thing to realize, the reason why Jesus is asking to give is because God asks us to give because God is a giver, right? So God, think about that. God gave us life. He gave us his son, he gave us breath. He gave us good gifts. He gave us Chinese buffets. Like, I know, uh, I, uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, 
God, God gives us so many things. And he's just saying, would you, would you give back? Right? Because he's a giver. If we are going to be an ambassador of his kingdom, we need to be like the king. Right? Because how will anyone know what the king is like? Because I promise you, before, most of the time before somebody meets God, they're going to meet one of us first. And if they know we're a Christian, how we live our life as a believer is often how an unbeliever will assume, oh, well, their God must be like X, Y, Z. God is asking us to give, and then this is the part that blows my mind. He rewards us for giving what is not ours, right? God has given us everything. And he said, hey, some of that everything that I gave you, I'd like for you to give it away. And then I'm going to reward you for doing that. Like that to me is kind of mind-blowing. When we give, we release the things that were once in our possession, right? Now the harder it is to give something, the more of a possession it has on you. Has is, is anybody negotiated with God? God, I will give you anything except that right over there. Can we not talk about that? Like, I don't, I'm not ready for that. And I just imagine God's like, okay. <laughs> you know, he's kind of like, we'll just see how this works, right? Because it's an area in our life that gets formed when we give. Giving begins to form our character into the likeness of God's character. So, Jesus continues on to the next kingdom expectation in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So we're starting to see a theme here, right? Again, this passage starts off with when. When you pray. Not, hey, if you pray, hey, if you think about praying, nope. The expectation of living in the King Jesus kingdom is when you pray. Okay, and then he kind of unfolds that a little bit. He's like, don't do it for the praise of man. That's a, that's a wrong kind of mentality. Now, I believe that he's talking to us and saying that when we are participating, or when we pray, we are participating in possibly the highest honor a believer can receive while here on the earth, outside of being a martyr. But that is a whole nother message, right? You, me, we have been invited to come before the creator of all things. Like the, the, the creator of the cosmos. Like, and it's so, it sounds so small when I say it like that. But when we pray, like that is the invitation. 
Prayer is an invitation to come into agreement with the divine counsel because we know that when we come before the, the, the throne, before God's throne, like I just would imagine that because it's been this way since the beginning of time, God hasn't done anything by himself. He has God, the, God himself, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This divine counsel of wisdom. And he says, hey, you, if you're a part of this kingdom, you get right to come before the king. Like, we don't really understand that here in America. And depending on your political ideology, getting invited to the White House may or may not be a blessing, right? But there's this idea of coming before a ruler that sometimes is a little bit lost on us because we, we don't have that expectation. And, um, but in Hebrews 4.16, it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Now, Jesus is... Um, I, I'm not going to touch on the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Matthew did a, a whole collection of messages on the practice of prayer where we talked about that. But I do want to point or draw our attention to, to verse 9 because he did this one... There is a key element of prayer that I think is pretty important. Jesus said... Um, he, he said, pray like this. Now, many of you... Were, this is a little pop quiz. Many of you probably know this. This is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, right? Can you say it with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All right, you guys kind of trailed off there at the end. All right, okay, your kingdom come, right? So in the NLT, it reads kind of like this. It says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. There's a posture of prayer that we have to believe God is who he says he is as we come into his presence. Have you ever talked to somebody and it's like, yeah, I tried praying, it didn't work. Okay, can you, can you tell me? Can you tell me a little bit? Of, well, yeah, I, I, I prayed that, you know, God, let there be a million dollars in my bank account so I know you're real. Okay, well, um, I would love, I would love if, if prayer just worked like that. I mean, I would, but I wouldn't because God doesn't always give us what we ask for. We, he gives us what we need, Right? And prayer is a relationship. It's a posturing of trust. Not just a, like, I want it, I need it, so I'm going to ask God for it, and then I'm going to get mad at him if he doesn't get it. And I maybe don't even think he exists because he's not catering to me. That's why Jesus said, let your name be holy, right? That's our posture. Now, I'm not saying that every time we pray, we got to, like, you know, get down on our knees and, like, you know, like, like our prayers for lunch, you know, like that, Father, thanks for lunch, this is great. Like we don't have to make a, a big spectacle every time we pray. That's not the point of that, right? But this idea of prayer is Jesus is like, this is a, 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 a critical foundational element in the life of a believer. And scripture is littered with testimony of normal, like men and women who have come before the throne and have changed the course of history because they believe and they heard God and they said, I'm going to believe for that. And they spent time in prayer, right? And that's why Jesus is saying, you have resources. Come and ask. 
God is wanting to speak to his people. And oftentimes, this happens in the context of prayer. And I think this is why prayer is so important. Uh, around here, we have a thing called Wednesday night, first Wednesday prayer. On the first Wednesday of the month, uh, we gather together. And uh, this Wednesday was a little bit different. Uh, I, I, got to, I was a prayer leader, whatever you want to call it. And so uh, usually whoever's turn it is to lead prayer, uh, they kind of just sit before the Father and just kind of talk to him like, hey, God, what's on your heart? And um, in no uncertain terms, he was like, I'm not telling you. I want to speak to my people. And it was, it was like, it was really like kind of this holy moment because I really believe that God wants to do something in believers' lives where you believe that God wants to speak to you, right? Like, the, the, we come together to worship God, but the pinnacle of our service is not the guy or the gal on the stage. The pinnacle of the service is, is engaging with worship and hearing God's voice speak to you. That's where transformation comes from. Whew, okay, I could talk about prayer. Sorry, we're going to... All right. Each one of these, prayer, giving, forgiving, uh, and fasting, they really, they all deserve their own Sunday morning. But we're, we're doing this kind of this big idea today uh, in what Jesus is talking about uh, in establishing this, this new kingdom. All right, so he continues in verse 14. And he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That is a dramatic statement. Um, I, I think it's also kind of interesting because this is, Jesus dis, doesn't use his when statement. When you forgive, remember, like he's done with all the others. He says, if. Now this, as I was praying on this, this one is the one that was really a little bit of, it took me some time to pray through this because I was, um, I, I, it's, it's hard to kind of expand on this. And I, and I really believe that I don't think that we as believers understand the authority that God has given to us. And I believe that when we choose not to forgive someone, we actually take God off of the throne in our hearts and we take the seat of judgment. Unforgiveness is putting yourself in the throne of judgment. Hey God, I know that you created everything. I know that you've given me everything, but this guy, he really, listen, I think I know better. Right? How crazy is that? I think there's scenarios um, in our lives where God can kind of orchestrate giving, right? Prayer and fasting, right? Like there's probably many of us have had opportunity. We're out somewhere, we see somebody in need. Hey, yeah, sure. Or hey, let me do this. Or you have a friend. Like there's many of opportunities where we can practice giving. There's many opportunities where, um, you know, where we uh, maybe need to pray. You have been in school. Dear God, there's a test tomorrow. And I have not studied. I need your help, like, and divine intervention right now. Uh, I won't raise hands to see if anybody else, I, I prayed that prayer. Um, 
you know, and, and then there's opportunities for fast. If you've been part of our church, uh, the f- beginning of the year, we usually take some time to fast. And so you may be like, eh, yeah, I'll, I'm in, right? So God can kind of orchestrate events around your life to encourage you to engage in these things except for unforgiveness. That is the one thing that God cannot make you do. God only invites you to say, when you forgive, I, you will be forgiven. It's kind of, a, and that's all Jesus says. Like, can you imagine? The, like, there's no discussion. Like, he just says, hey, hey, by, hey, by the way, you've, you know, it's just this simple statement. It's almost like, a, you know, it's like a mic drop, you know, except he just keeps going. <laughs> it's intense, though. But it's placing your faith that God's judgment will be better than your own when we practice forgiveness, okay? So then he goes on and he says, now this is the last and final one is fasting. And he says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try and look miserable and disheveled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, This is like the middle school pep talk. Comb your hair, wash your face, you know, nobody, then nobody's going to notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, we're back into the pattern of when you do this, not if, right? So fasting is a normal part, a normal expectation that we practice that living in the kingdom. Now, fasting, again, we could talk a whole Sunday on what fasting is, but simply fasting separates us from the physical world, right? Our bodies need food, and when we deny that, it helps us refocus our energy to focusing in in the spirit, right? So fasting helps moves us from the natural to the supernatural. And really, it, it does two things. It it, it does disconnect us from the natural, but it also strengthens our spirit, right? Because we need to not just be strong in the natural, but we need to be strong in the spirit. Jesus led this by example, right? Just a few chapters ago in Matthew, Jesus is led into the wilderness for 40 days where he prayed and he fasted. Now, I don't know if he knew that there was quite possibly the most intense temptation was coming at the end of that. He may, may have known. But it took, if it took Jesus 40 days and nights to fast and pray, I think we need to fast and pray too. Right? And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to be part of my kingdom, this is an important element of how you do this. So, these four elements are really kind of an interesting sort of foundational building blocks, right? He chose these four elements. Remember, Jesus is on the side of a mountain. He's gathered his disciples kind of for, sort of for this first formal like, hey, you know, new, new king is in town. Here's the new kingdom. Here's the new, like, everything. And he includes these four practices uh, to be part of his his kingdom. And now the other thing that's interesting is these practices are focused internally, not externally. 
right? He spends some time focusing on our character. And if we turn these outward, then he says, this is, that's your reward. That's what you get. You get to look good in your front of your community or whoever you're trying to impress, right? But God wants us to develop on the inside. Um, these, uh, there's a book called The Deeply Formed Life by a guy named Rich Villados, and he describes kind of what we've been talking about as the lower decks of our soul. And he writes, it's in these very low decks where our spiritual lives take on true shape and form. But we often don't go down there because we have often been discipled into superficiality. This superficiality works against us when we try to navigate some of the most complex issues in our world. In the last five weeks, we have talked about some incredibly complex issues. And they're hard to navigate if we don't have the spiritual formation and understanding of what Jesus' kingdom is all about. You know, Jesus' kingdom is about this life a little bit, but it's really about an eternal kingdom. A, a phrase that's used sometimes is the kingdom that's already, but not yet. We are seeing glimpses of this kingdom. And Jesus is saying, this is how you live in this kingdom that he is developing and growing and establishing. Right? And he's building. The foundation in you is what God is forming his kingdom upon. Now, as we begin these practices... Fasting, prayer, forgiving. It's really easy. It's really easy to, we start here, right? Like, okay, um, uh, the Bible says I should give. So, uh, and there's other people there giving. So, I, okay, I'll just write my check. Okay. Um, you know, somebody smiled at me when I came in. I really felt comfortable. I think I'll, I'll join the serve team because I just want to give back. Okay, cool. Um, you know, the, maybe your prayer life consists of, dear God, thank you for this food. Amen. And that may be it, right? These are good places to start. But hear me on this. If we stay in this place, if we're only doing it to check a box, we'll never get the full benefit of actually letting this be formed in us. See, when we start giving, it does something inside of us. When we start praying, it starts doing something inside of us. When we start fasting, it starts doing something inside of us. And after a while, these practices, we kind of get away from the, the check boxes and we're like, you know, I, I actually really love that I get to give, whether it's time or money or gifts, or, or I really love to serve. Because what happens is, over here we're doing it because, yeah, I'm supposed to. You know, it's kind of like the, 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 the kid in your house that you're like, hey, can you take out the trash? But what we really want is when that kid sees the trash is overflowing for them to take out the trash, right? Like, we want them to move over here to internal ownership, right? These practices are much the same way. Jesus is saying, okay, here's a starting block. Praying, fasting, forgiving. The other fourth one. Yeah, that one. Okay? This is the starting point. And as we continue in these practices, we become transformed. 
right? And that's what we want. We want to be transformed because nobody in here really needs more information, right? You didn't come here because like, you know, you're like, man, I am just really information deprived. Can somebody just tell me some more stuff? No. We come to be to encounter God, to hear his voice, to be transformed by him. If we're not doing that, maybe you're still kind of in the checkbox mode and there there's we all have to start someplace. This is a first this is a great step. If you haven't started giving, if you haven't started praying, if you haven't started fasting, if you haven't started forgiving, start. And that might look a little different for everybody. Ask God. He will tell you, right? And the more we practice it, the more this foundation is secured and formed. I really believe to the degree that you give yourself to these practices is the degree that you will be transformed. And now here's the, the secret that I don't think Jesus fully led on to. And he may have a different reward because he never said what the reward is, right? I believe the reward is Jesus. And if you know, you know. And if you don't know, I invite you, practice. Let that foundation be formed in you because Jesus is the reward. He's so good. This foundation is necessary for what Jesus wants to build in your life. Now, I have built some things in my life. I've built some tables. I've built some things that require a foundation, so to speak. And 99.9% .9 of the time, my foundation needs some work. So, I don't know if you've ever tried to build anything. My wife is laughing. She knows. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to build anything that's square, but I usually chase around the thing to, you know, there's four pieces, and I screw and I unscrew, and I cut some more, and I do the thing, and finally, the thing sort of resembles a, a solid foundation, right? And, and I think this is the invitation for us, right? God's not like, hey, listen, you people, get it together. That's, that's not what Jesus is about. He's saying, put these into practice. And here's the beautiful thing from, from going from here to here to here. It's actually Jesus that's doing the transforming, not your works. Does that make sense? Like, you say, I want to pray and fast. And listen, I know there have been days where I'm like, like I just don't want to fast. This stinks. <laughs> This is hard. That's when we, it's Jesus in us that strengthens us to move us into this greater place and shores up this foundation. So today as we come into communion, if you'll grab your, uh, your communion, you can open that up. Take out the bread and crack open the juice. I want us to take a minute because I really want you to hear God's voice, right? And so we're going to sit just for like maybe 30 seconds, and I want you to invite. And you may have never done this before, but it's really easy not to listen to God if you don't make room, 
you don't make room to make time. And like I said, often that still small voice is heard in the context of prayer. And so, so this morning before we take this, I just want you to pause. And I'm going to be quiet for about 30 seconds. And I want you just to say, God, is there anything you want to talk to me about? So let's, let's just do that. Father, would you speak to us? Father, we thank you that you haven't left us alone to work on these foundations. That you are fully present with us in the midst of these. You are calling us towards a, towards a greater reward, towards a greater place, towards a solid foundation that you may build the kingdom in us. We thank you that you speak to us, that you transform us. So, as you're holding this bread, would you, uh, when you take the bread this morning, let's just take this as a sign that Jesus, this is your, your kingdom, and I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be part of your kingdom. Help me live out these four practices. Let's take and eat. And let's drink the juice as well. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this beautiful time where you are nearer to us than what we have any idea. Father, I pray that as we go out today that we would be encouraged, that we would be stirred up, that your spirit would rest on us, that we would pay attention to the things that are close to your heart. And we know that giving, fasting, praying, and forgiving draw us into your heart. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here. I pray that you would rest upon us as we leave this place. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.